You can open with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. This is the word of the Lord. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in giving us your word, that we might know what, what it means to have a relationship with you. And that that comes even as we read here in Galatians 4, because of your work in sending your Son to redeem us from slavery to sin. So Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear, that you would help me as I preach, uh, that we would all um, come around your word and that your Spirit would do his good work of producing fruit. Bring growth through it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are we're finishing week four in our sermon series through Galatians. And if you didn't notice, Steve was just going at a snail's pace through Galatians. And I said, you know what? We're finishing it out. we got to get through this. No, he wanted it this way. He wanted to really spend time unpacking each part of this section of Scripture. Uh, and we're going to see how it all ties together this morning. So yesterday, being Christmas we probably gave and received some gifts. And some of those gifts that you got probably weren't gifts that you really maybe wanted. Maybe you didn't really need. Maybe you wondered why you got them. Like, I have no interest in this. I don't need this. Why do I have this fuzzy, stuffed animal that sings Santa Baby over and over again? Uh, in those situations, you absolutely got a regift, and you just got to own that. It was a regift. That's what happened. My brother-in-law did that to another one of my brother-in-laws, regifted something to him. It was a bad white elephant gift. They said, I don't know what to do with it. You got it. But you may have also gotten some gifts that you received that you really appreciated. Gifts that you were wanting, that you had asked for. Maybe gifts you didn't ask for, but that person knew you really well. And so they gave you something that you really liked. Those are the best gifts. They're like a surprise. And then you're like, wow, yes, thank you. I could use that. That's helpful to me. We're thankful for those gifts. And something that we often reflect on at this time of year is the greatest of gifts that God has given to us, His Son. The, 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 the immeasurable worth of Jesus Christ. He took on flesh. He came as a baby. And He came to die for our sins. Hopefully we've been reminded of that in our sermon series here in Galatians 4. Hopefully we've seen that at the right time, Jesus was sent. Born of woman. And now we're going to see what it means that he was born under the law. So we're going to finish up the series today. And we're going to focus on the last part of verse 4, born under the law, all the way through verse 7. And we're going to see three other good gifts that God gives us. So we see the incredible gift of His Son, and we're going to see three other really good gifts that God gives us. Three other ways that God has poured out His love, He's poured out His grace, He's poured out 
his kindness on us. So here's the first gift. God has rescued us from slavery to sin. First gift, God has rescued us from slavery to sin. So where do we see that gift? It's right here, end of verse 4. God's Son was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. So the first gift that we see here in Galatians 4 is the gift of redemption. Jesus, he bought us back. We were held captive. We were held for ransom. And a price had to be paid to set us free. To set us free from our slavery to sin. Now Galatians 4.3, that wasn't a part of this series, but it gives us some helpful context. And Galatians 4.3 says that we were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. What does that mean? That's a weird phrase. We don't usually say that. We don't think like, did everything I learned, I learned in elementary school, was that like, was that bad? Like, what does that mean? It's, it's, a, it's another way of talking about sin and the effects of living in a, a world that has been ravaged by sin, this fallen world. We were enslaved to the present evil age. Galatians 1.4 4 says that Jesus was the one who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. So we needed to be redeemed from the elementary principles of the world. We need to be delivered from this present evil age. We were held captive by sin. And so to free us from sin, Jesus did something that we could not do. He perfectly obeyed God. He perfectly obeyed all that God had commanded. And we had failed to obey. You can, you can read in Scripture pretty quickly and see that people fail to obey God. You look at the Israelites, they fail to obey. You look at Abraham, he failed to obey. You look at Adam, he failed to obey. And the same is true of us. In Adam, we were born into sin. Psalm 51 says that from before we even came into the world, before we came out of our mother's womb, we were sinners by nature. And because of that nature, we have also chosen to sin over and over and over again. We have chosen to disobey God. How do we know that? How do we know that we've disobeyed God? How do we know that we've rebelled against Him? How do we know that we have chosen to go our own way? Because God gave us His law, and He gave us a conscience. And His law is written on our conscience. And so that makes us those living under the law. In Galatians 4.4, those under the law, that, that's us. We are under the law because God, he's, he's given us his law. We are accountable for the laws that God has given. We get that on a very human level. You think about speed limit signs. Those are given to us. We're now accountable to drive the proper speed limit. You've probably experienced this when you're driving in the country and you come into a small town, the speed limit changes. My, my in-laws live in Bremen, so I experience this fairly often. Coming into town and it changes from like 55 to 40, to 35, to 20, and then you're like, what is happening right now? How am I driving 20 miles an hour? Like, what does the world come to? I'm going so slow. But there, there's clearly signs posted telling me this is the proper speed to go. Some places are even, like, really generous. And they'll tell you, here's a sign to say the speed limit's about to change. So you need to obey. And I know. We still just, like, we still don't like it when that 
police officer pulls us over 30 yards from the speed limit sign. Why did he do that? Hey, we were warned. You need to change from 55 to 35. Well, God operates in the same way. Sin is not counted where there is no law. But once the law is given, we are held accountable. So God says, go 35. I need to go 35. God has told us what to do. He's told us what not to do. And we've broken those laws. Whether it's by our words or by our actions, or if I look at myself and I think about where am I breaking God's laws, you know where it happens more often than not? It's in my heart. Like if you talk to me on a Sunday morning, if we get together during the week, you're probably not going to see any like outward sin that happens in that moment. But every day, every moment, there are times where my heart is in the wrong place. The motives of my heart, the thoughts of my heart, we've broken those laws. There's no getting around that. So we are under the law. We've broken the law. And in breaking the law, we are enslaved to sin. And so Jesus did something about that. He came to redeem us. To buy us back from our slavery to sin. And he did that by being born under the law himself. Which is crazy. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about being born of woman and how marvelous it is that that Jesus would come and he would humble himself in that way. This is another way that Jesus demonstrates his humility. He is the great lawgiver. And yet he submits himself to those very laws. He comes under the authority of the law. And he never once broke it. In every respect, Jesus upheld it. And so Jesus obeyed in our place. He was, he was the perfectly obedient Savior. The one who obeyed in every respect. And then died for those who were lawless ones like us. And so the first gift that we see here in Galatians 4 is that we see this good gift, a rescue from slavery to sin. Well, let's look at the second gift. And we're going to see how these gifts, in a lot of ways, they're, they're building on each other. Because the second gift is an adoption as sons. And we see that in the second half of verse 5. So God has He sent His Son to redeem us so that we might receive adoption as sons and as daughters too, as children of God. So God could have stopped at redemption. And that would have been awesome. That would have been marvelous. I don't want to downplay that. Redemption is an incredible thing that, that God did. That he saved us out of our slavery to sin. It's it's a fantastic gift. But he didn't just set us free and then kind of like wish us well and and send us off on our way. No, he said, I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to give you all of the benefits of being my child. You're not going to be on like the outside looking in. It's not like we're going to peer through the window of God's home and we're going to see the family life. We're going to think, this is amazing. Look at how, how wonderful that is. I wish that I could be a part of that, but I'm kind of on the outside looking in. I'm thankful he redeemed me, but now I'm going to go on my way. You know, God has welcomed us in. He said, I want you to be a part of all that's happening here. You're going to experience the riches of being a part of my family. And with that idea, there's, there's some commitment, Right? When God, when God brings us into his family, it demonstrates that he's, he's committed to caring for us, to loving us. He wants us to, to be a part of his family. People do random acts of kindness. That's a thing. It happens. You think about uh, somebody at the grocery store. 
They buy their groceries, they leave a bag behind, and then the next person in line realizes it and takes the bag out to that person. You've been on the receiving end of that. We're grateful, we're thankful for that. Think about professional athletes who will like sign an autograph as they come off the field for a young fan. That's really, that's kind of them. Sometimes people are even more generous. Makes me think of the, the TV show Undercover Boss. If you're familiar with that show, business owners, like high-level executives, they pretend to be lower-level employees, and they work alongside those employees for a day. And like all reality TV, two things really quickly happen. One, you question how much of this is scripted, how much do I really believe is true, and two, once I've watched like two episodes, it's the exact same thing over and over again. They're just changing up, like we're going to go, instead of being Pizza Hut, we're going to do dominoes. And it's just the same thing. But through the course of the show, the business owner, the CEO, they're going to be in disguise and they learn the stories. They learn about the lives of these employees. Because we got to tug at the heartstrings, right? And so at the end of the show, this high-level executive sits down with these employees, reveals their identity, and the employees are always like, in awe, and they're shocked, and some of them are embarrassed because they weren't good workers. That's also an interesting component to the show. Um, But oftentimes, those high-level executives, they then give these people incredible gifts, like $10,000 for college tuition. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, that's crazy. That's That's insanely generous. And it is. That's super generous. It's it's like a whole other thing, though. If after the show, that high-level executive follows up with that employee when the cameras aren't rolling and checks in to see how they're doing. Or that person that maybe like the Pizza Hut CEO paid for this guy's college tuition. And he checks in, how are classes going? That's, that's different. I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually a little bit more impressed by that. Because when the cameras are on, I don't really know what to believe. How much is real? How much isn't real? Like, you think about how much these people make. How much is $10,000 in his salary? You, start, you can go down that track, and you can get really cynical. But when the cameras aren't on, and you hear a story of somebody that, that was in a position of great power, great status, and they cared about somebody that was lowly in comparison, that's impressive. That makes you pause and say, like, okay, I'm, I, I'm impressed. So what if we think about this, this CEO of Pizza Hut? And we think about this, this, this guy who's 16, 17-year-old kid. He wants to go to college. And that CEO of Pizza Hut makes that kid a part of his family. That would be crazy. Like, we could think maybe a really sad reality happened where that, that 16, 17-year-old kid, um, his parents died suddenly. And he went from thinking about college to all of a sudden just he's destitute and he has he has no other family in the area he has no way to look after him and so he's 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 going to enter the foster system and that ceo of pizza hut says i'm not just going to pay your college tuition i'm going to make you a part of my family you're going to come home with me tonight we got food on the table for you we got a spare bedroom and that's going to be your bedroom we're going to take care of all of the adoption paperwork you are going to legally be a part of our family we're going to make sure that you're taken care of but even more so, we're going to make sure that you're loved. We're going to make sure, sure that you're included in our family. That's what God did. But no illustration can compare. Like the Pizza Hut illustration 
pales in comparison to what God has done. Because when we think about the Pizza Hut CEO caring for the college student, that is marvelous. That is wonderful. That is generous. That is kind. That is also a fallen sinner helping a fallen sinner. But when we think about what God has done, that is the perfect God of the universe who has said, I am going to, I'm going to redeem these fallen sinners. And then I'm going to welcome them into my family as my adopted sons and daughters. That is a marvelous thought. That is an incredible gift that God has given. Because when we think about who we were, apart from God's work in transforming our hearts, we were, we were rebels. We were enemies of God. We wanted nothing to do with Him. And God said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to pull you up from, from the miry clay. And I'm going to make you my adopted sons and daughters. He welcomed us. He made us a part of His family. That's the second gift that we see in Galatians 4. That God has adopted us into His family. Let's look at the third gift. And it builds on these first two. We see the third gift is that we have a future as heirs. Read with me again, beginning in verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So there's, there's no, no, really no other way to say this. It, it just keeps getting better. First, we, we, we see the gift of redemption. And then we see the gift of adoption. And now we see this gift of this future. This, this future heavenly inheritance that awaits us. So how do we know that? How do we know that there's this, this future heavenly inheritance? How do we know that we're heirs? Well, Galatians 4 is telling us because God has given us His Spirit. So in making us His sons, in making us His daughters, in doing that, He's given us His Spirit. And His Spirit, now living in us, now dwelling in us, is this constant reminder, you are heirs. We have this inheritance that's stored up for us. We've been given all the rights of full sonship. All the privileges of being His children. So think back with me to, uh, to this inferior illustration. Pizza Hut CEO. He's adopted this 16, 17-year-old kid as his son. He's welcomed him into his home. He's treated him like all of his other children until the day that he died as this CEO. Until the day the Pizza Hut CEO died, he treated the 16-year-old adopted son like all of his children. That's incredible generosity. A marvelous story. And after the Pizza Hut CEO dies, he has his will read. And he lays out how he wants his money to be divided up. 20% to each of his children. And he lists all of his children. And included in that list of children is that kid who is 16 years old working at Pizza Hut. He is one of his sons. And so he loved that man, that boy, not just in his time of need, which that would have been kind and generous, but he loved him and he cared for him, not even just in his own lifetime as the Pizza Hut CEO, But he loved and he cared for him in the future as well. Here is my inheritance. I am including you in it. I am gifting it to you. God the Father has made us heirs. Fellow heirs with Christ, God's Son. 
So we were, we were once slaves to the elementary principles of the world, and God has taken us, He's redeemed us, He's adopted us, and He's made us heirs. I heard it put that in a commentary that we all love a good rags to riches story. This tops them all. When we pause to consider what God has done, when we think about the illustration of Pizza Hut, that's a wonderful story, but that's nothing compared to what God has done on our behalf. These, these generous gifts that God has given. A rescue from slavery to sin. An adoption as His children. And a future as heirs. Marvelous gifts. Perfect to think about at Christmas time. Now, I'm, I'm orderly. I like to be organized. I like to be tidy. So Christmas morning is hard for me. I have three young children. They love opening things whether it's Christmas time or not, particularly my youngest. And I know that there is this really short window of time in my life when I will get to enjoy watching my kids open gifts. There is a special joy in watching my kids and the look on their faces as they're opening these gifts. But it is still such a temptation for me to be more concerned about cleaning up about getting everything put back together instead of just taking time to like play with my kids, to enjoy the toys that they've gotten. It's like, we've opened everything awesome, now let's get the house back in order. Let's throw away all the wrapping paper, all the packaging from the toys. It is insane how much packaging comes with kids' toys. It is crazy. Like, how do we have this much stuff? We wrapped all of this, and now it's like multiplied. And it's everywhere. I want to clean it all up. I want to put the, the wrapping paper. Or I want to put the, the bags away that we've got. I want to put away the ribbon that my wife really wants to keep. We've got to put it all away. I want to clean up. I've got that temptation. And I know like that's not what I should. I should care more about like, like when Judah opens something, just like we film like everything he opens because he's just always like just so excited. I need to enjoy that. It's, it's hard for me to fight that temptation. It's hard for me to fight the temptation of just cleaning up. I am equally tempted when I come to God's Word. I am equally tempted to open up these three gifts, to consider them for a moment, and then to be like, all right, it's time to clean up. Let's, let's get out. Let's go. Let's get it all done. Let's shut it down. So let's not be quick to clean up and to move on with our lives. Let's consider these three gifts for a moment. So just three reminders that hopefully keep these gifts on our minds for a little bit more than like December 26, 2021. Okay? First reminder. As adopted children, we have unique access to God. When we pray, we enter God's throne room. The scriptures talk about entering into, coming before his throne. And so when we think about throne rooms, it's really proper to also recognize like, okay, we're talking about a king here, royalty. I mean, this, this is, we, we, we understand, like, God is, he's the creator, he's the sustainer of all things, he upholds it by the power of his word, like, like this is an incredible, incredible thing that we're coming into the king's throne room. Job describes God this way, he is wise in heart and mighty in deed. Who has hardened himself against him and succeeded? The answer implied being no one. He who removes mountains and they know it not. When he overturns them in his anger, he who shakes the earth out of its place, 
and its pillars tremble, who commands the sun and it does not rise, who seals up the stars, who alone stretched out the heavens and trampled the waves of the sea, who made the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the chambers of the south, who does great things beyond searching out and marvelous things beyond number. That same God welcomes us as children to come into His throne room. We come to Him. We address Him as Abba Father. There is an intimacy attached to that word Abba. There is a closeness. This is our Father. Not like a cold, aloof Father who's at a distance, who doesn't really want to hear from us that much. This is a Father who loves us, who cares about us, who we can trust, who has our good at heart. So let's remember that relationship when we come to Him in prayer. Now that means we we still respect Him. He is still King. We still revere Him. We fear Him properly. We submit ourselves to Him, but we come to Him joyfully. And we come to Him with like this openness, this vulnerability. We are, we are, we are ready and willing to expose all of ourselves because we know His great love for us. We've been adopted into His family. So let's remember that as we come to Him in prayer. Alright, second reminder. The Spirit is at work in our hearts. I love how these verses, they capture the whole Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're not like me, which is good in a lot of ways. Maybe you like love opening gifts and leaving all the packaging everywhere. No, maybe you, you're, you're not like me in that you are not quick to forget the work of the Spirit. I am. I am quick to forget the work of the Spirit. I am quick to forget that He's active and that He's working in my heart to make me more and more like Christ. I forget that He is reminding me that I'm a child of God. I'm quick to forget that that He's the guarantee that, that I have a future inheritance. I am quick to forget that the Spirit is present and active in the work of His people. So if you're anything like me, Galatians 4 is a great reminder to us. The gift of adoption. The gift of this, this future inheritance. God's Spirit is a part of both of those gifts. He is involved in our lives. And that keeps us humble. That keeps us dependent. Because oftentimes when I forget the work of the Spirit, who do I start attributing things to? Myself. No, never the bad things. That's everybody else's fault. But anything that goes well, anything that I'm doing well, any ways that I'm growing, man, I must be doing something right. Let's remember the, the work of the Spirit. That keeps us humble. Keeps us dependent. And then the third reminder. The third reminder being that, that there, is, there is joy to be found in a future inheritance. It goes without saying that life is hard. If you know anybody here, you know life is hard. <clears throat> and the longer that we live, the harder that it gets And I hear that from people that are older than I am as well. It only gets harder. I know a certain somebody who has come to my office because they needed to to do video appointments with their doctor. And they're older. Who does that to an older person? Like, that is... That's not kind to say, we're going to figure out... We can't can't talk on the phone to you. We're going to do a video call with you. Like, they don't... Like, where do they start with that? And that's like the most easy, silly example. But the reality is life is hard. Life is hard, and it only gets harder. We have, in a more sobering sense, we have regrets, we have failures, we have sorrows, 
We have physical bodies that are breaking down. We have broken relationships that that don't get mended. So we see the effects of sin and we see direct sin itself. Lots of reasons that we have to despair. Galatians 4 gives us hope that the sorrows and the troubles of this present evil age, many of the sorrows and the troubles that we've brought upon ourselves by our own sin, there's a day coming when we're going to enter into eternity and we're going to enter in as heirs, warmly received by our Heavenly Father, joyfully seeing Him face to face. And we have this promise at the very end of Scripture, Revelation 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So I don't, I don't know exactly what Christmas looked like for all of you. But I know that it's not everything that the commercials on TV try to make it out to be. There is real sorrow. There is real heartache that more often than not is intensified with all of the Christmas cheer and all of its weird fakeness. And so some of us can probably relate better to the Grinch than we'd like to say. But this present life is not all that there is. A day is coming where we're going to enjoy God forever in His kingdom. Not as like last-minute invites just added to the guest list. Like you've got this beautiful printed guest list, and then suddenly your name is just scribbled on at the bottom. That is not the case. One day we are going to enjoy God forever as heirs. We're going to take communion here in just a moment together. And this is just foreshadowing a day when we're going to sit around the table with the Lord, warmly welcomed to feast with Him because of what He has done. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. And what good gifts He gives in redemption. What good gifts He gives in adopting us as His sons and His daughters. And what good gifts He gives that He gives us a future inheritance. So we may, may we remember not just today, not just at Christmas time, when we give gifts to each other, but all through the year, God is gracious to us. Even in a world full of heartache, even in a world full of despair, even in a world in which our sin and the sin of others, it has ravaged this place. We have hope. We find it in His Word. God is gracious to His people. So we want to rejoice in that this morning. We want to rejoice in the fact that we can now come around the table together and eat this, this, this meal in preparation for a day when we're with God in the new heavens and the new earth. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we do rejoice. At Christmas, our, our affections are especially stirred as we consider that uh, Your Son was given. Your Son was born in humility, in lowliness, but in, in, the, the, perfect, in the perfection of Your plans. You ordained that it would happen in this, this way, that He would come as a baby born in a manger. You ordained that, that He would come to, to shed His blood for the sins of His people. So Father, we pray that as we think on the arrival of Your Son, as we've seen this morning in Galatians 4, we pray that we would see all of these good gifts that flow from, from, your, from, your, from your, your grace to us. We pray, Lord, that 
that you would be growing us in that grace. That you would be astounding us more and more with how generous you've been toward us. That we would see who we were. We would see the state that we were in, full of sin, hating ourselves, hating others, hating you, enemies of yours, shaking our fist at you. And yet you redeemed us. And then you brought us into your family. And you made us heirs with full benefits of being your children. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Too often I I am quick to forget that that is true. And so help us to remember. And help us to live in light of that in a way that is eager to tell others, is eager to share the good news of salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray even now that if there are those here who don't know you, as they've watched us unwrap these gifts, I pray that your Spirit would be at work in their hearts, drawing them to yourself in a way that only He can. We thank you for your Spirit. We thank you for the work that He does. We pray that He would continue that good work in us, and that you would form and fashion us to look more and more like your Son, whom you sent forth at just the right time. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.